the rapture, the great tribulation. What do you know about these times? Can you communicate it to your loved ones who may not know Jesus yet? Listen along as Pastor Dave Roberts walks us through the end times. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. My name's Dave Roberts. I serve as pastor of Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas. We are in a podcast series focused on the return of Christ and all the end-time events surrounding it. In this episode, I want to take a look at the great tribulation that is coming. Before we get started, just a brief programming note. I'm recording this episode during the second week of December 2023, and uh, we're going to be taking a break uh, during the holiday, so we'll get started again after the new year. If you've listened to the previous two episodes in this series, you may wonder why I would even bring up the tribulation, because I've made the case for a pre-tribulation rapture of all believers in Christ. So if we're not going to be here, why should we concern ourselves with it? Some people might ask. Well, the short answer is this. It's not just about us. <laughs> I think if Christians knew how catastrophic the tribulation was going to be, well, they'd be more eager to share this news with others, especially those who don't know Christ. Not only that, if you believe these events are close, well, let's say within the next few years, then we should think that way. We should be preparing accordingly. I mean, here are a few steps I've taken. First, I've prepared a rapture document that I'm leaving behind so people will be able to find it and read about what's coming. I've also purchased a book by David Jeremiah entitled After the Rapture, which is almost like a survival guide to tribulation living. I've left the book on my coffee table in my living room so anyone who walks into our home after the rapture can find it and read it. Jimmy Evans also has a great book out called Where Are All the Missing People? You could purchase that and leave it on your coffee table, in your car, on your desk at work. Well, you get the idea. There may be some who have stumbled onto this podcast and, well, let's say the rapture has already taken place. If that is the case, I'm going to give you some details about what is coming in the next seven years. The first thing we need to know about the seven-year tribulation is that it is divided into two three-and-a-half-year sections. The first three-and-a-half-year period is what I would describe as, what's well, the rise of evil. There will be a world leader known biblically as the Antichrist who will rise to power during this time. He will gather the nations of the world into one worldwide governance under his leadership. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul is writing about the coming of the Lord Jesus when he writes this, verses 3 and 4 of chapter 2. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. He's writing about the coming of the Lord. It won't come until the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, this Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Now, one quick explanation of how I see the timing of things. I believe the rapture is the next event on the prophetic calendar, and it will begin the end-time events with the tribulation either starting 
immediately following or within a short time frame. There's a lot of debate on that. The rapture is when Jesus comes in the clouds and believers are brought up out of the earth to meet him in the air, 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. This is not the second coming of Christ, I believe. That occurs at the end of the tribulation when Christ returns with the believers to conquer Satan, lock him away, and rule on earth for a thousand years. The world will be thrown into great turmoil following the rapture. I mean, just imagine millions of people gone, vanished all at once, including all children under the age of a spiritual accountability. There will be a need for this emerging leader to bring stability. This will be done by implementing a new cashless society, which is known as the mark of the beast. It says this in Revelation 13, verses 16 to 18, speaking of the Antichrist. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. We already have the technology in place to enforce such a system. It is the stated goal of the globalist organizations to move quickly to a cashless society so that every transaction can be tracked. Those at the World Economic Forum would even like to issue social credit scores, much like our current credit scores. But these social scores, they're going to be your personal rating of how compliant you are with the government controls being implemented, well, and your carbon footprint. Your ability to purchase certain things will be governed by how well you have done. Maybe you've heard of this worldwide gathering taking place right now, December 2023 in Dubai. It's called COP28. COP means Conference of the Parties, kind of a benign sounding name, I know, but it is a malignancy on the freedoms of mankind. It is a climate summit designed to reinvigorate the world towards a green future by 2030 by reducing carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. <laughs> One little side here, you realize that the amount of our atmosphere that is actually carbon dioxide is 0.04, and some have even said only 11% of that is man-caused. <laughs> but we want to spend billions of dollars towards it. They want to come away from this summit with the world together fighting the destruction of the planet with intense worldwide governmental controls to be implemented immediately. The stage is being set right now for the events of the tribulation. It could happen at any time. And there will be complete control over the activities, the transactions, and behavior of mankind. During this first half of the tribulation, the Jewish temple will be rebuilt. There have been two temples previous. This third temple will be built on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and 
the sacrifices of the Jewish people will be restored, it says. They have not taken place since the previous temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. Now, <laughs> I have to be honest, I don't know what to think of this next thing, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. In Numbers 19, there is a detailed description of the process that priests need to go through to purify the temple, and it includes the ordinance of the red heifer. And if you read that passage in Numbers 19, you'll see they have to have an unblemished red heifer, which, come to find out, is not all that easy to obtain in order to purify the temple. But I've read that they actually have three unblemished red heifers in Israel right now on hand so that once the temple is built, they can commence sacrifices immediately. I've also read that all the materials and labor needed to build the temple are ready to go. They just need the political decision to begin. So why, why is the rebuilding of the temple so important? Well, it's because of what takes place halfway through the tribulation. In Daniel 11, great detail is given to the wickedness of the Antichrist, and it all culminates with him standing in the newly constructed Jewish temple declaring himself to be God and putting an end to the Jewish sacrifices. This is known in the book of Daniel as the abomination of desolation. So we know there must be a temple built and operational by the midpoint of the tribulation. It could be built before the rapture or during those first few years of the tribulation. Scripture is unclear as to the timing. We just know it must be finished and operational halfway through the tribulation. Now, once the Antichrist has openly declared himself to be God and the whole world has rallied behind him, the wrath of God begins to be poured out. And that's the second half of the tribulation. It will be the worst time the world has ever known or will ever know. That's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 21. Well, I, I sort of hesitate to do this, but I'm going to give you a firsthand look at what the second half of the tribulation is going to be like, because the Word of God wants us to know. So let me give you a few choice scriptures regarding the second half of the tribulation. Revelation 6, 8. I looked, and behold, an ashen horse... And he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. So massive death is going to take place in the tribulation. There will be killing by the sword where people turn on each other. There will be widespread famine and pestilence. It says, even the wild beasts of the earth will be unleashed to kill. Revelation 8, verse 7 through 9. The first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. And the second angel sounded, and something like a, a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. 
Even nature will feel the effects of the wrath of God. In the first part of Revelation 9, demons are released to torment humans like wild locusts and scorpions. I can't even imagine what that's going to be like. But in verse 6, we get a taste of it because it says this, And in those days men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. And then we get to the main event, which is Revelation 16. It's the pouring out of the bowls of God's wrath. Well, here's the highlights. Verse 2, if you took the mark of the beast, well, oozing sores are going to appear on your body. It says in the third verse, oceans will turn to blood, killing everything in the ocean. Revelation 16, 8, sun scorches men with deadly fire. You know, it's interesting to think about that solar flares for a minute. Did you know that in 1859, they had something called the Carrington event? They said it was the worst solar eruption in known history. Did you know if that same event were to occur today, it would have catastrophic consequences. Back in 1859, we didn't have the electronics that we have today. Can you imagine the entire world being wiped out of its electronic use. All transistors, all chips rendered useless. They think that's what that's, that level of a solar flare would do if it happened today. And some people think that it's overdue for another 1859 type of event. It says in the, the 10th verse of Revelation 16, there will be complete and constant darkness. I don't know, I've been kind of a interested in Yellowstone over the years and just thinking about whether or not it would erupt someday. But um, you know that if Yellowstone did erupt, they predict that it would present darkness over the entire earth for a certain amount of time. In Revelation 16, 18, it says that there will be the worst earthquake in history. Makes me think of the San Andreas Fault in California. I read this, researchers at San Diego University say that the San Andreas Fault has a history of unleashing massive earthquakes every 180 years, give or take 40 years. As of now, it's been about 300 years since the last really big one shook Southern California. Wow, think about that. And then, if that's not enough, the 21st verse of Revelation 16 says there's going to be 100-pound hailstones. Now, I sure don't want to be here for that storm. 100-pound hailstones. You know, sometimes I'll be speaking with people who deny Jesus, unbelievers, and uh, I'll bring up the tribulation. I, I just, I, I marvel at the level of deception in people's lives. They say something like this, well, if you turn out to be right about the tribulation, I'll get through it. After all, how bad could it be? I'll just need to stock up on some food and water and guns and ammo. Who knows? Might even be fun. <laughs> Little do they know. You see, when the rapture happens, many are going to turn to the Lord, I believe. There are countless people who know about the rapture, but have turned Jesus away in their lives. And because of their desire to reject him, they have discounted the truth of the end times. But when millions are gone instantly, they're going to realize, man, the rapture is true. 
I have missed it. I, I think of all those who grew up in the church with believing parents who've been praying for them all these years, and they're going to instantly know when their parents are gone. Man, I should have believed in Jesus. They were right. My church that I grew up in, they were right. My prayer is for a massive turning to Jesus following the rapture. We know that salvation is still available during the rapture. Revelation 14, 6. And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and sea and springs of waters. In Revelation 7, 14, it says this, And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. If you are listening to this before the rapture and tribulation, know this. We have limited time to tell the world how to escape these terrible things. We, we need to tell them to turn to Jesus and believe in Him for the salvation of their soul. He will forgive all their sins. He will have mercy on them, and He will give them grace, and He will give them a brand new life. We need to let them know that we love them and don't want them to have to endure such horrific events. These things are going to happen. If you are listening to this after the rapture, all hope is not lost. Turn to Jesus today. Don't let another moment go by. Believe in Him for your salvation. Do not go along with the plan of the Antichrist. Oh, I know that makes life difficult. Do not take the mark of the beast. Oh, I know it may cost you your life. But remember this. Eternity is eternity. The tribulation, seven short years. Turn to Jesus now and live with him forever in heaven, a place beyond belief in how glorious it will be. Now, I hope you'll share this podcast with people you think could benefit. It's my prayer that the truth of what's coming is known so that people will not be deceived or be taken by surprise. These things will happen. And my personal opinion is they're happening soon. Thanks for listening. We do hope that you've enjoyed this episode today. If you'd like to learn more about Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas, please visit us at gbcgt.org. Many blessings from our church family to yours.